Cairo, Seattle. Welcome to Episode 5, Season 2 of Bark, and we really appreciate you listening. We know that there are all kinds of dog podcasts and other kinds of podcasts out there, and so thank you very much for listening. We're still looking for a sponsor. If you'd like to sponsor Bark, we would love you. We would absolutely love you. You can contact me at CoogsGo on Twitter, and uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. But we've had a lot of fun. I'm here with Aaron Mason, who's with me every week, at least through season two. And then season three, we'll see what happens. But he's the host at Cairo Nights, the FM side, 97.3 here in Seattle. So, Aaron, thanks for being with me here again today. It's a treat, Jim. It's a treat. Well, especially today, because we're talking about dogs with cool jobs. Yes. Dogs with cool jobs. And I just, I was on Twitter and you know how you just kind of cruise around Twitter and you see different things. And there's always people that are tweeting pictures or videos of their dogs and saw some different things. We're going to talk to Fred Hassan down in Las Vegas. He's the trainer of Finn the Bat Dog, who goes out and grabs bats at the Las Vegas Aviators games. It's a triple A team there in Las Vegas. And Fred has all kinds of energy. I think you're really going to enjoy that. And it's a black lab. And so Fred's got Finn the bat dog going out. And when the, when the batters get done, when they, when they hit the ball or they strike out or whatever, the Finn runs out there, grabs the bat and brings it back. And so so I just thought, well, yeah, this is, this is fun. He brings water to umpires. And then we'll also talk to Britta Clausen, who's at Boise state. And this is another one. I don't know. Why why do I get such a kick out of this? I just, I I think it's kind of cool when dogs are at baseball games and football games. And Britta Clausen has a dog named Cole, another black lab. And Cole runs out and grabs the kicking tee at Boise State football games. And I just, the novelty of these things, uh, they amuse me. It's the the Jim Moore Venn diagram of sports and dogs. (laughs) This is now just one big circle. And so, of course, you love it. Yeah, well, I do. And so, uh, and I love talking to people who are into dogs like I am and, and I should probably train mine the way these people have. I had another, I had another uh, problem on a trail today. Oh, no. And we talked about it earlier in the dog walking episode. And I've decided once and for all now, because you talked some sense into me or you tried to. <laughs> and, but today I'm on the trail. There were no cars in the lot early morning. And I thought, okay, I'll let River go off leash again. And uh, boy, I was confronted by a man who was not happy. Oh no! And he and it, basically, after I said I, I, I apologized, and River jumped a little bit, kind of at his side. He was alarmed. He was a little scared of him. And I said, "I'm sorry." Anyway, but here's how it ended. The last thing he said to me was, "If I ever see you on this trail again, I'm gonna kick your bleeping ass." Whoa! Yeah. So. I, but what? you know, I, I but I've I've come full circle on this. I've decided now, once and for all. One of my kids, I've got fifteen year old twins. One of them said, "Hey, Dad, that guy needs to he needs to chill." But the other one said, "You know what, Dad? You need to keep your dog on a leash where <laughs> leashes are required." And then you were saying the same thing because this you know this guy was out with his wife. He doesn't need a golden retriever jumping up on him. He, he doesn't know if the golden's okay or not. Right. So I see both sides of it, but I'm I'm coming around on that. But anyway, so that's how my day started, but I'm happy to be here doing bark now. I almost brought him in today, and then it's it kind of hot out, and I just thought, I just I left him at home and gave him a break. But we're going to start by getting into dogs with cool jobs, and the one here locally that I really enjoy, too, that I see all the time, his name is Turf. He's a chocolate lab, and he's out at the Seahawks practice facility, and Turf just basically keeps the geese off the grass there, and he's been there for six years, and I, I love it. I go out there, especially during training camp. When the Seahawks start training camp, the end of July, we sit outside, we do the show there, we talk about the team a lot, but the thing I enjoy the most is seeing turf going in and out of the sprinklers, <laughs> and turf just having, I just picture being turf for a day and what it must be like for him, because most most people's dogs, you know, they have to hang out at home when the, when the guy or the woman goes to work or whatever. But Turf gets to go to work and live this dream life there on the shores of Lake Washington. That's why you like these dogs, because you want to be one. They're yeah. living your dream life. Do you believe in reincarnation? No. You don't? No. If you did, what would you want to come back as? Ooh, great question. Probably a cat. Probably a cat. If I was going to pick an animal. Yeah, or, uh, or like a cool bird. 
Because I think flying would be awesome, but the idea of you have to look out for predators and the idea of being out in nature and potentially being eaten at any moment. I don't think I would want to live with that baseline stress level. <laughs> so house cat sounds real cushy to me. I don't know why I'm laughing so hard about that, but I think about that too. When I see birds and you know little critters, I'm thinking, man, you got to just be running for your life every single minute of every day. Yep. You got to have your eyes in the back of your head trying to figure out what's going on. I would come back as a dog. Guaranteed. And any specific kind? Uh, probably a golden because it fits my personality. They're just laid back, happy-go-lucky, and you know they're just kind of like whatever. They don't <laughs> seem like they're alpha male type dogs, and I'm not an alpha male type person. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a beta male. I just like hanging out and, and having a good time. And so that's one of the reasons I'm here doing Bark. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's one of the reasons I'm doing it. And we'll, we'll come up with other reasons later in this episode, perhaps. <laughs> but in the meantime, I want you to meet Turf. And his owner, his owner's name is Sergio. He's on the maintenance crew there. He's the head of the maintenance at the VMAC. It's the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. For people that are outside the Seattle area, Turf is a chocolate lab that is there at Seahawks Practice. The Seahawks Practice facility is right on the shores of Lake Washington. It's a beautiful, picturesque setting these green football fields. There's a shoreline with trees, and it just seems like a great place for a dog to hang out, and I assume that's the way it is with turf. Oh yeah, he he enjoys it. Uh, I, we joke around and say that uh, I mean, he has the best dog park in the Pacific Northwest, if not the uh, you know the country. Um, yeah, he he enjoys coming here every day. Uh, on the weekends, he wants to come to work, uh, even though it's our days off. But yeah, he I, I don't think there's any complaints coming out of him. Well, at training camp, uh, we're, we're out there doing our regular uh, weekday sports talk show, and it's part of, for me anyway, it's more fun. Instead of practice, I mean, I've seen a lot of football practices, and I guess that's cool too, but I'd rather watch Turf go through the sprinklers. Is that something that he's always done ever since he was a pup? Uh, yeah, yeah. He started that at an early age, and it's probably one of his favorite things to do. You know, I have a, a remote control that I can automatically start it uh, from anywhere in, on site. And as soon as he sees me grab for this remote out of my desk, I mean, he he leaps up and he's ready to go. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely been something that he's always enjoyed. And uh, even during the winter winter months, we were out working on it a little bit uh, yesterday, kind of trying to clean some stuff up. And, I mean, he does not skip a beat, even though we haven't ran him in a few months. He he perks right up, and, and uh, it's like, you know, it's like he's been doing this all winter long. So definitely one of his favorites, if not his favorite things to do. Now, does he does he just hang out there, or does he have an actual job that he's doing while, while he's with you? He does have a job. Uh, you know, uh, lately and in the winter, winter months, there's a lot more hanging out than, uh, than normal. Off-season, obviously, things slow down for us. But we jokingly say he's our wildlife manager, but... That truly is his title, um, unofficially his title. Just, you know, he helps keep geese off the field or any other birds. Um, geese being on the shores of Lake Washington, you know, geese can be an issue. And um, since we've actually, since we brought turf to VMAC, he's been, you know, he's done a really good job of keeping geese uncomfortable on our site to the point that they don't really land anymore. Um, and if they do, it's within a matter of seconds that he's after them. So he's just basically made it made BMAC an uncomfortable place for the geese to land and, and uh, hang out. Yeah, well, every golf course operator can appreciate that. Now, I was, you know, I was looking back through my notes, and how old is Turf now? Uh, Turf is five. He will be six in, at the end of May. Okay, and your girlfriend wanted you to get a dog for several years, and it sounds like you you finally gave in, and, and I'm not sure. Can you tell us the story exactly where you found Turf and why you got him? It was girlfriend then, fiancé now. We were living in a small one-bedroom apartment, and you know, we've been together for several years, and, and we were looking to take take a few steps forward, and so we had decided to purchase a home and get a dog on the same day. Um, and it, the reason was uh, I had family friends back in eastern Washington who had just had this litter of chocolate lab pups. And I, had, when I'd grown up, I had had a chocolate lab from that same family. And, you know, I was kind of hooked at that point. And so we happened to be visiting my family back home, and we stopped in just to see the puppies, and I was immediately hooked. And, uh, you know, through a couple 
big life decisions, uh, he, he became a part of that. And, uh, you know, we were, I was hesitant. She was at first, we were both a little hesitant, but you know, we just kind of took the leap and, and it's worked out really well. Well, and it's such a perfect name too. And, and was she the one who came up with turf? Yeah, she was. I mean, I'll give her all the credit. And she still to the, you know, every, about every month, she'll remind me of it, you know, through, you know, if if we happen to have a successful, you know, tweet with, you know, or a tweet that he, you know, puts up. And, you know, she always reminded me that she's the one that picked the name. And oddly enough, you know, I kind of went with it at first, you know, but I also did tell her that, you know, as soon as we find a better name, we'll change it. (laughs) And that, that day never came. And I mean, I, I'll, yeah, I'll give her all the credit for that one. Turf has his own Twitter home too, right? Yeah, so it's uh, at Turf the Dog on Twitter, and he has an Instagram. I believe it's Turf the Dog as well. And uh, yeah, he's had a lot of success. Oddly, we kind of started it as through conversation that we had with some folks around the facility, and they kind of thought it would be funny and cute to to start this Twitter account and. Surprisingly, it's kind of taken off, and uh, he's yeah. It's it's been really it's been fun. Uh, my fiance runs her his uh, Twitter handle, so I just I take the photos, and she comes up with all the the funny captions and and kind of takes care of the rest. Where, Sergio, where all have you been featured? I mean, you've been on TV shows, you've had stories written about you. What among all those different things? What's what's been the coolest one? The Animal Cribs on Animal Planet was kind of a love hate. It was definitely cool. Uh, it was very neat. Wanted to be on a national TV show on a big channel like Animal Planet. Um, but at the same time, it was pretty uh, intense going through the filming process of, you know, filming for a one-hour show. There were several hours of filming and, and construction that went on at our house. And, I mean, we're, we're, we're very happy with the results that came through this project and this show and, and the exposure that turf got and um you know not so much the exposure that we got um so that was pretty cool we've had a couple uh instances where we've actually been recognized by strangers they know the dog more than they know us but you know you'll get that wait weren't you guys on a tv show <laughs> and usually it's the people that are with us our friends and like they're the ones that'll give it away like yeah they totally were and my fiance and I try to kind of we kind of shy away from it. It's kind of funny to be recognized by complete strangers, but at the same time, it's cool that you know Turf was able to bring that to us. And and you know he's such a great dog that it's only fitting for him. Now, Sergio, I probably don't know you well enough to bust your chops, but will you allow me to do it anyway? Sure. <laughs> okay, you told me. Okay, I'm putting two and two together here. You told me that you got turf five years ago and your girlfriend at the time was your girlfriend and we fast forward now five Mm -hmm. years and she's now your fiance why has it taken you Mm -hmm. five years for to go from girlfriend to fiance did you have cold feet or what's been going on there (laughs) my goal is to only do this once uh so i wanted to make sure that i you know was crossing my t's and dotting my eyes and uh you know she was patient she put up with me and uh yeah I, i guess you know, I I ask myself the question all the time. Um, you know, especially now things are going good, and you know, I guess it's just needing to grow up a little bit and making sure it's the, the right time to do it. And you know, I think turf has definitely been a, a big contributor to uh, you know to making sure that we're both mature enough and ready to to take this step. And you know, bringing him into our what we want to call our little family, uh, I think was really really helpful. That is really a terrific answer. You know what I would have said if I'd been asked that question? I would have said, hey, it's none of your business, pal. I can't believe you even asked me that. That's probably what I would have said. But, Sergio, you're a class act. You are a class act. And that's why act. I know I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Good for yeah. you. And, Five uh, years ago, I probably wouldn't have given you that response. <laughs> hey, okay, so what was the first day like? Because were the your bosses there with the Seahawks, and, and you, you had the whole crew there, right? You run the whole operation, the grounds crew there? Yes. Yeah, what was, so when you went in there and you said, hey, I got this eight-week-old puppy, you mind if I just bring him to work with me? And what was the reaction? Well, we had talked about it. I had made sure that it was going to be okay with the organization and my boss prior to it happening um, for a few months, and we had kind of briefly discussed it for several years prior, but... Um, but I mean, it was great. I mean, I picked him up on a Sunday afternoon, and he was uh, at work with me Monday morning. 
um, you know, eight, we're eight weeks old, um, you know, little guy and people enjoyed it. You know, I think it, it definitely changes, you know, the mentality, the atmosphere, the energy at work. Um, it, I think it just, it, you know, it, cha- it, it brings, you know, the happiness and, and energy to, to a job that can be, you know, grinding at times. And, and, you know, we, I picked them up the week before the start of training camp. So, and, that, I mean, it was our busy season. We were working long days and seven days a week. And, you know, to have that, to have a puppy to, to be playing around with and, and getting to know and, and, you know, just be around, was it, it kind of broke up the monotony of, of training camp for us. Oh, I bet. And it's pretty cool, too, the story that you, you told me several years ago, the one that I never did write the story about, uh, that we're talking about now, where you, when you, you house trained him, to not go on grass because he couldn't go on grass there because uh, the, the the turf has to be pristine for the football players. And so how'd you go about doing that? You taught him to go on the shoreline behind trees and, and other places. Yeah. You know, one of the advantages was, you know, have being around him, you know, all day, you know, really helped us get to know each other. You know, we got to, you know, I got to really work with him on all, all sorts of all types of training, but, yeah, that was one of the biggest ones. And, you know, you get to know you get to know the puppy the more time you spend with them and, and you get to know um you know, their tendencies and, you know, uh when you, you kinda get the idea of when they're gonna need to go to the bathroom. And so, you know, several times it was, you know, just knowing that it was time and taking him to those areas where he could go to the bathroom. And then even even the few times that we may have had accidents you know, there was a few times where I would just kind of chase him off the field saying, nope, you know, let's go, let's go. And, and it, you know, he's so smart that it only really took him about three weeks to get it. And it's pretty incredible. So when he's home, where does he go? It's a hit, it's hit and miss at home. Um, but he usually sticks to the landscape beds. Um, okay. Areas that he knows that there's not going to be a lot of activity. And part of it is he knows that the backyard, I mean, he goes out there and he plays around in it. So he knows that he doesn't want to be rolling around in his own in his own product. So, okay. um, so he he's pretty good about keeping it in the landscape beds and uh, areas that just aren't high traffic areas. Okay, well that makes sense then because I was thinking at first I was thinking when I asked the question I thought well gee grass is grass and then no not really because my own dog at home River he knows that there's one couch that he can get on at our house and one couch that he can't. I mean dogs are pretty smart that way. Is there a, a does Russell Wilson interact with him quite a bit, and what's what's he like with him? You know, yes and no. I mean, I think everybody's, including uh, Russell, I think everybody's friendly with him. I try to be really cautious about how much interaction there is with players. I understand that they're here to work, mm-hmm. and, you know, we don't want to be a big distraction. But, you know, if, if guys are, you know, wanting to see him, you know, they know where he's at. And, but, you know, when the, guy, when the team is out, usually – uh, that's a that's Turf's indicator that he needs to go inside and take a break. It's usually once the music for practice cuts on, he knows that it's time to go inside and and uh, take his nap. Uh, is there is there a player that's taken a special liking to him? Yeah, I think Bobby. Uh, Bobby's been a big one. Uh, he's been really good uh, since we since uh, Turf came, and they like to take their uh, end of training camp picture every year. Uh, he's been a good one. I think Jacob Martin. Uh, it's been a really, another for a new guy. You know, he had his puppy around here when he first picked him up, and and uh, he's been another guy that's been a big, big fan of turf. Um, but yeah, I think Bobby's been the biggest one. Bobby Wagner, the All-Pro middle linebacker out of Utah State, and Jacob Martin, the rookie first-year player from Temple, defensive end, and uh, Sergio. I really appreciate your time here on Bark. What, what do you like most about turf? His demeanor. He's independent. He likes his space. Uh, but at the same time, he's, he's affectionate um, and just easygoing, uh, very easy to train, easy to get along with uh, folks. He does great with kids, even though he's not around kids very often. You know, just the all-around companionship. I mean, it, it, you know, we're together a lot and uh, definitely has made a, a big impact on not only my personal life, but just even my work life on creating, you know, work-life balance and Enjoying the moments. I, you know, I always wonder if my dog knows how good he has it. <laughs> and and do, you, do you think Turf does? Because most dogs, you know, guys are working eight to five and, and you're doing the best you can. I talked to someone from Rover.com earlier today about 
the dog walking service and different services they have where people can come dog sit and everything. But Turf has no need for any of that because, uh, boy, he's just romping around every single day. It's funny. Uh, early on in the week, you know, after a full weekend's worth of rest, he's very eager and excited to get back to work. But then as we get later into the week, he starts he starts to act like a teenager where it's hard to get him out of bed. But, yeah, no, I, he definitely knows he has a good life. And, you know, on days where I don't come to work or if I happen to be out of town for work or, or trips, he'll either get to come, still come to work here uh, with one of my assistants that is his dog sitter while we're gone. Or if I'm gone, he actually gets to go to work with my fiance as well. And uh, so, yeah, he, he knows how good he has it. Um, he doesn't get left alone very often. <laughs> Will turf be in your wedding? Uh, yes, we, uh, he's going to be the ring bearer. <laughs> of course he will. Oh, that'll be great. Where are you getting? Oh, yeah. ma- where are you getting married? Uh, we're going to be uh, getting married down in Sun River, Oregon. Oh, that's fantastic, Sergio. I really appreciate your time. And by the way, speaking of marriage, did you know? And I know you know Christian Ranky, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, he used to work out there, and um, and now Christian is uh, is a fireman, and uh, he's moved on to a different career. But uh, he's marrying my daughter. They got engaged uh, over. Oh, that's great! Over Christmas, they're getting married over at Sun Katie in next February. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I was wondering when he was going to do that. Yeah, it's... he was. Uh, Christian's a great guy. I, I definitely enjoyed working with him. He was one of my first interns that we hired, and uh, yeah, he was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to work with. Great guy. I'm yeah. glad he finally did it. I'll pass that along to him. Yeah, I, I think my daughter's glad he finally did too. Yeah, he was on track to beat me. I think. Yeah. As far as uh, waiting it out, I think he and I might have had a little competition going. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. All's well that ends well. And Sergio, thanks for your time. I know you've talked about turf uh, over and over again, but it's probably fun to talk about your dog, even if you're repeating yourself. So thank you for your time today on Bark. Yeah, yeah, no problem. A couple years ago, just to show you, and I was telling you that I'm a beta male, and I, I, I kind of lack self-discipline. Mm-hmm. It's taken a while to get this second season of Bark <laughs> going. Like, what have we gone? A year since season one? Yeah. Something like a, that? Yeah, a little over. Yeah. So as another example of that, I actually interviewed Sergio a few years ago, and I had a deal with a Chocolate Lab magazine to write a story about turf. They were going to pay me $1,000 for this story. What? Do you think I wrote that story? Jim Moore. <laughs> I did not write that story. Jim! I had all the notes, had all the notes, had everything put together. You did I, the work. I even I interviewed, uh, I, I got comments from Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson about turf and what they thought of turf. <laughs> I had all the components of a good story, and all I had to do was find the time, sit down, have the self discipline to bang out the story, send it to the Chocolate Lab magazine. I would have gotten $1,000. I didn't do it. Ugh. Did not do it. But that's why I'm, I'm really happy that we're finally getting this second season of Bark done because I'm following through on something. Yeah. It's rare for me. It really is. And I, I hope you appreciate it as, as one of the listeners out there. Maybe not. All right. Okay. Now, guess what? It's time to go to Las Vegas. And we're not going down there to gamble or anything. We just want you to meet Fred Hassan. He's, he's absolutely cool. Fred Hassan has Finn the Bat Dog, a black lab who fetches bats at the Las Vegas Aviators games. And he's also got this huge following on Twitter, Finn the Bat Dog. You need to check that out. He's got 24,000 followers. So here's Fred Hassan on Finn the Bat Dog. We're talking to Fred Hassan, and he's the owner of Finn the Bat Dog or Finn the Black Lab. I've, I've seen both. Uh, I, I guess Finn, is he, uh, is he a celebrity down there in Las Vegas, Fred? Yeah, he's a, he, well, he's a bat dog and he's a black lab, so I guess he could be both. <laughs> and, and Fred, we're talking to you because we're talking about dogs that have cool jobs. And um, tell us a little bit about Finn and, and what he does. It's the Las Vegas 51s. It's a triple-A team there. And it sounds like he's there almost every night. Is it three innings a night? How does it work? Yeah, well, a couple things. Um, first of all, it was the Las Vegas 51s, and this year it's changed. So this year, well, this coming year, this coming season, they are going to be the Las Vegas Aviators. And last year they were the 51s, and they were the New York Mets AAA team. This year they're the Las Vegas Aviators. Are going, or they're going to be the Las Vegas Aviators, and they're going to be the Oakland A's team. And they have a new stadium. That hasn't. It'll be ready by opening day. 
uh, not quite ready yet, and it's just, you know, state-of-the-art everything, and they even have a swimming pool out there in, in center field. It's, it, it, it's really going to be something else. So, Well, do you think you'll be able to keep um, – do you think you can keep Finn out of that, out of that pool? Because Black Labs, you know. You know, that, you know, that's funny because I was talking to the uh, general manager last year, and I saw that pool, and Finn, Finn loves to swim, you know. And I said, hey, you know, do you, you think I can get him out there in the pool, especially – gets warm out here and he's like so no problem let him go swimming so who knows when the fans are in the pool maybe maybe finn will come out and join them yeah (laughs) well i can just imagine and i'd I'd like to go to a game when i come down there and i I saw the video and and you did a nice interview with someone about finn and what he does there and uh, maybe you can just explain uh for those who are listening on the podcast right now exactly what finn does at these games yeah it started a few years ago it's been gradual progression um i have a business that uh i started with just a regular van and a magnet a number of years ago and by myself and now we're a franchise it's called sit mean sit and we have 130 locations all over the country so i do a lot of videos and we were doing all kinds of things and my dog retrieves and then a friend of mine knew somebody over there, and he was asking me if, you know, my dog could pick up bats. And I said, sure, no problem. So we, so we went over there, and we just tried it. And we did it for a couple games. I think it was maybe three or four games the first season. And just during some of my free time, and it went over so well. And then the second year, uh, we increased that a little bit more. I was trying to fit it in with my schedule because I was doing lots of seminars and we have our school and I was busy and I was just squeezing it in when I could do it. And then last year I was talking to them and I, I said, you know what, this is a good, this is a good excuse to keep me home all year and not, and not uh, have to do seminars all the time. So we did the whole season last year and we did the first three innings of every game and the 51s were great, you know, when I, we just first started going out there and just picking the bat up. And then I remember one game, we were like three or four games into it. And I said to them, that they were some of the, some of the uh, people with the 51s were sitting right close to me. And I had a, you know, there's a chair I obviously sit in. And I said, hey, how about, do you think I, it would be okay if I, brought the dog out there and had him jump over the chair and then go get the bat. And, and they looked at me and they said, well, could you do it fast? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they don't want to hold the game up. And I was like, sure. They, you know, he, yeah, no problem. He does all this stuff anyway. You know, and they're like, okay, give it a try, but he's got to do it fast. And I said, okay. So <laughs> as, as soon as, the, as soon as the ball was hit and it went out there, I brought the chair out there. I called Finn. He jumped over the chair, you know, and everybody went crazy. And then they gave me a, just a, just a little bit of window of an opportunity and, and they loved it. And the fans loved it. And then it just got just more and more, you know, I was just like, how about if he jumps over this fence and then he goes over there and he gets the bat. Sure, go ahead, give it a try. Can you do it fast? Yeah, no problem. And before long, we're sending him, you know, to the base and then to home plate. And then I was like, <laughs> then I was like, when people were hitting home runs, I was sending him to home plate and stopping him right at home plate and having him just sit there until the guy circled the bases. And then, the, and then even on some occasions, the batter as he's crossing home plate would pet the dog, and you know the fans loved it. And when we went outside, you know during the breaks, I only did three innings each game when we went outside during the breaks you know everybody just just loved it and it just got it just got more and more and more and what's more uh, you know what's more exciting than baseball and the dogs so, <laughs> um, it, was, it, it was great well so he so he does more than i thought then i i thought I, I saw the going out and getting the bats after the batter's done whether he walks or strikes out he goes out and fetches the bats and brings it back but he also brings water to the umpire. Is that still going on too? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He brings water to the umpire. So what I would do is I got like a little, a little cooler, you know, that has a little handle on that, and we would put, we would put the water in the cooler, and I would just direct the dog to home plate and sit him, and the umpire would take you know, the water out, drink it, and then put it back in there and, and, and come back. But that just that just turned into just another just 
so because we would do the first base umpire and we would do the third base umpire and his team started coming more regularly and you know the umpire crew changes they started getting you know more and more familiar with the dogs so at first you know they kind of didn't know how to grab the water didn't know what to do and but you know Finn's very very efficient if you go to his twitter page which is Finn the black lab there's actually some stuff on there that just has all of his you know just all these tricks and everything that i'm telling you about um there's just a montage of it and in some of his videos i also have it going over um coming to a fire hydrant, sitting up on the fire hydrant, running to home plate, picking up the baseball bat, coming back and jumping up on the fire hydrant and handing me the bat. Wow. So, Fred, do you think if I came to a, a Las Vegas game this, this next summer that you could train him to bring me a beer? You got it. I'll tell you what. You come over there, we'll bring you in the dugout, the whole thing. We'll, we'll give you the, the, the whole Finn won't even believe it. He'll be like, I cannot believe I'm here with the famous Jim Moore. That's exactly what, that's exactly what Finn will be thinking. Hey, Fred, come he'll, on. Come on. You, you'd he'll, never... be like, he'll be like, this is better than Mickey Mantle. That's exactly what he'll be thinking. That's really nice of you, Fred, because you hadn't even heard of me until about a day ago. So... <laughs> So that's great. We're talking to Fred Hassan. He's owner of Finn the Bat Dog and Finn the Black Lab. You can find him on Twitter or there in Las Vegas uh, fetching bats and everything. How do you do with, uh, because, I mean, all dogs like balls if they're retrievers. And so uh, with baseballs all over the place, is it hard to keep them away from the balls? It's very difficult. Hold that thought for a second. I just wanted to say one more thing about that, about the, uh, going to the umpires. So at one of the games... Uh, one of the umpires, you know, like I said, they got to get to know him, and when they would come, they would talk to me. You know, a lot of them have dogs. So one of the umpires, and we have this on video, too, in, in all the Finn videos on there. The guy was talking to me about the dog, and that he had dogs, and, and they would see that we'd make videos. And, and it was great for the umpires, too, because, you know, they'd always pet the dog and everything. So I told this umpire, I said, hey, listen, when he – I want to do a video on this. When he brings you the – the, the water and a and a little cooler. Why don't you like when you're done drinking it, put the water like between your legs. The cooler, like put mm-hmm. your hand down there between your legs and make it go in between your legs and get. I go. He'll do it. Just put your hand down there. He's like, okay, I'll do it. So he did that and. and oh, we made it. You know, we had a video. It was all live. You know, so he's got to be really, really sharp. And he did that, and it was just, you know, the, the umpires become interactive, and it was great. Now, um, what was your question again? I'm sorry. About the baseballs all over the place. It's oh, yeah, 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 about the baseballs. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, he loves the bats, but, but he likes the balls a lot more. And I can tell you, like, so many stories. But one of the things that I did when I first started teaching him to pick up a bat was I used an aluminum bat at first. And... A little harder to pick up. I have a swimming pool. I'd have them do it out of the water. It would float. And we just did a lot of that. A lot of people ask about, doesn't he leave marks all over the bat and, mm-hmm. and teeth marks and everything? And he doesn't. And I did. I actually did a video on that, too, because it was a commonly asked question. So I had somebody there with a camera. And as soon as he brought the bat back, I just took it out of his mouth and put it right, right up to the camera. And, you know, we don't have any kind of any kind of problems with that. But we had, we had a number of instances, like we had one time where the dog was, um, it was the end of the inning. So I was sending him to go get the bat. And since the inning was over, I think it was a, yeah, it was a strikeout or, or I don't know. I don't know what the play was, but the umpire had the ball or they were changing the ball or whatever. And right as Finn is getting ready to pick up the bat, you know, the, the umpire, he just takes the ball and he rolls it out to the pitcher's mound. You know how they do at the end of the inning. So he's picking up the bat, he sees this ball go by him. So he just like turns around and just beelines for the ball. But I have a whistle and, and he's, and he's very well trained. So right when he got to the ball, you know, right outside of the dugout, I just blew a whistle and he stopped and he sat like right where the ball was. And then I just gave him a signal to go back and, and pick up the bat. So he went and, and brought the bat. And all during the game, you know, he's sitting over there on the chair right next to me and he's just in his head. You know, he's like watching the ball. Everywhere it goes, he's watching the ball. He's watching the ball. So sometimes it can be difficult getting him off that and onto the bat. And another problem he has with the balls is like sometimes the batter will foul ball off to the screen and Phil see that then the very next play you know he has to go get the bat so when I send him you know he remembers about the ball being back over there so he, he 
he might start running like, oh, where the ball, where the ball was, just thinking I'm setting him for the ball, but the ball's not there anymore, so I just stop him and uh, send him to the bat. <laughs> and, you know, the players just love him. You know, at first, they're a little bit hesitant before long, you know, they're just very interactive with him, and it was just, it was just a great experience. Oh, I'll bet. And how, Fred, how long did it take you to, to train him to do these types of things? <sighs> There's a lot of stuff that I do regularly with the dogs. So everything that you're seeing him do, all my dogs are able to do that anyway. Like when I send him, I could stop him and put him on fire hydrants and, and carry things and all that other stuff. The only part I really had to implement was the bat. And then another thing that we like to do is like when a player walks, for example. So when they walk, they a lot of times they're wearing the shin guards. So... The batter, when he walks, he bends down and he puts the shin guard right there, and they usually just lay the bat right next to him. So at first I thought, boy, I'm going to have a trouble. You know, I'm going to send him out there, and he's not going to know whether to pick up the shin guard or whether to pick up the bat. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is we have a regular bat boy, too. He does everything else. He just doesn't mess with the bats for the three innings that I'm there. But he, you know, he does the rest of the the job of of the bat boy. So... When he runs out there, Finn obviously is faster than a bat boy, so he gets out there really fast. I stop him right at the bat, and I make him sit. And then the bat boy runs out there, and he only picks up the shin guard. So the fans think they just see him sitting there. Oh, he's not going to pick up that bat. You know, he stopped. And then as soon as the as soon as the bat boy picks up the shin guard. I just have him pick up the bat, and he comes. Uh, he comes back. He comes back with it. So it is kind of difficult to get him with those balls. Another thing that happens a lot in a baseball game is the umpire is constantly, you know, when they when they take a ball that's scuffed or whatever. It happens a lot during the game. Oh, and they roll it they, out. They, yeah, they roll it in the, to the to the ball boy, and I mean, you know, it's right next to him. And it took a little bit at the beginning to to get him the hang of that. He got it got it pretty good. And then we would just do other stuff. Like we would send him to the screen I would send him to the screen before games, like right before, you know, right where the screen is behind home plate. And he would just put his feet up on the screen. People would come by and pet him, run him up the the bleachers, you know, just the stairs, like just during the game, you know, or right before the game starts, I'd run him up the stairs and stop him on a certain stair and the people would come out and, you know, they just start petting him. It's just all a lot of fun. And I think it really, you know, really adds to the game. But the most important part, especially when you watch the videos, you can see how efficient, how efficient he is. And that's a big, big part of it. You know, that there's absolutely no laps in the game, that he's quicker than a bat boy. And that he's, you know, a lot of times you watch dogs and they're slow or they, or they don't pick it up or you got to sit around and wait for it. None of that stuff happens. And I think his speed and his enthusiasm for doing it also is just, you know, the crowd can, can pick up on that. And I think that all goes into... Uh, you know why they why everybody loves him so much. You talked about your business. Sit means sit. Uh, what, what's your dog training background? How'd you get involved? Were you just a dog lover that wanted to get into that type of work? You know, it's funny because I never even owned a dog until I was forty, and so I didn't really have any. I, was, I came from a background in the food and beverage industry. I was a bartender, and then I just kind of got a dog one day and just turned into a lunatic, you know, and started doing it. And before long, I, you know, had a, just had it. I just liked it and opened a thing. And just one thing led to another. I won a national championship pretty quickly and had a radio show pretty quickly and a TV show and, you know, numerous dogs. And and before you knew it, we had a school and then we, then we had a franchise. And it's just been a really, really did, did good you make, ride. Did, now, excuse me, Fred, that, did you make an appearance on David Letterman? I didn't make an appearance, but people from our show, we've been on everything. We've, we've been on, uh, it's, it's on a thing. We've been on ESPN. We've been on Letterman. One of our people that had won a championship in Doc Dogs was on Letterman, and they actually had him doing it right there in the middle of outside wherever the Letterman show was. Yeah, we've been on a lot of the major sports and regular shows of today's show, all kinds of stuff. What, what's, what's Finn like at home? Finn is... You know, he's a great dog. We have a we have a pool in the backyard. I've also came in 
second place at the World Championships in dock diving. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's on. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we were, uh, not with Finn, but with a different dog. I had come in second at the Worlds in that. And so during that period of time, I put a dock over here, and it's great because it's so hot in Las Vegas in the summer that you really can't exercise your dog much, at least outside. So he just swims. And, uh, you know, we take him out every day. And, and he's also done some retriever hunt tests. You know, there's not a day that goes by that, you know, I'm not training with him or taking him out somewhere or taking him to the park or the dog park or, you know, it's just what I do. So it's just fun and, you know, showing him off everywhere. And, oh, I bet. And, I bet. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And labs are, labs are uh, great dogs. And, you know, obviously in my business, you know, I've seen a lot of dogs, but, you know, dogs like Finn, uh, just with his enthusiasm and speed and desire, they don't come around very often. You know, it's like it's like a LeBron James or something. You know, they just don't come <laughs> around very often. Um, but the downside of it is, the downside of it is, and it's not really a downside, it, it blends so well, but when you have a dog with so much enthusiasm and so much desire and so much speed, that's what makes controlling a dog like that a lot more difficult, especially, you know, when you're stopping him, when he's in route for a ball uh, or something like that. You know, it's a lot it's a lot more difficult than a dog that doesn't have that type of desire. But, um, but he's a lot of fun, and it's going to be a lot of fun this year, you know, having a new stadium and, oh, and everybody yeah. getting out there. and It's in a different part of town, and everybody's pretty excited. Oh, that's great. Hey, Fred, last thing for you. I've, I've got a two-year-old golden retriever, and we go out on these hiking trails quite a bit, and, and i I got to admit to you, Fred, uh, I'm the opposite of you. I haven't trained my dog much at all. I mean, he, he knows to sit and he knows to stay, just some basic things. But we have this thing when we're on these trails, and I like to let him off leash. And he stays with me for the most part. And he's great when we go by walkers on the trail. But when he sees joggers, I think he thinks that they want to play. He sees the extra movement, and, and he jumps up right. on these joggers. Fred Hassan. What can I do? What can I do? to well, Because the joggers, sometimes the joggers are, go, are like, oh, golden retriever, that's really nice to see this, this puppy jumping up on me. And other times they get really angry. And, and I had a guy call me a, an old entitled white guy uh, one day, and he was really, really upset with me for having my dog off a leash. And I'd like to continue to keep him off the leash, but I have to have him stop jumping on joggers. So what should I do? Yeah, well, you know, I guess I can give some a little bit of uh advice to an old entitled white guy um those golden retrievers you know you hit the nail on the head with it's the movement and we, and we have a saying in our business you know what good is the training if you can't do it around distraction so you know everybody can have the dog sit for a cookie or whatever in their living room or what other things are around so one of the things our company do and, and lucky for you we just happen to have uh a couple locations up there in that seattle area speaking of seattle it's raining here in vegas and it doesn't rain very often, so kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But what we actually do is because it's hard to see and it's hard to tell, you know, it's like going to get your car fixed and you're kind of telling them, you know, what's wrong with them. And just tell me, you know, you have to bring the car in and I have to see it and have to see you and see the dog and see what the thing is and, and the whole deal. But we offer a free demonstration in all of our locations. So in a situation like that, you know, you would bring the dog, we would see what we'd have to do, and then we would do a demonstration with the dog, even with dogs around or whatever your problem might be. So the hard thing for the owner is, you know, it's easy for somebody like you to picture, you know, this is Fred and this is his dog, but my dog's not going to be that way. So that's why it's important that you see that, because once you see that, and once you see that it can be done and that you're going to be able to do it, even in the demonstration, it, it opens up a whole new world. And then once they have all that kind of control, that's what we're really the best at is the off-leash control in a very short period of time. So there's really nothing that your dog's doing that we don't have to deal with every day. That's not really a, a big problem. And especially with the golden retrievers, you're, you're, you're fortunate, you don't, you know, <laughs> you don't have a problem with them running up to these people trying to bite them or doing something like that. So, yeah, I think it's very doable. All right, I'll, I'll check it out then. Sit means sit. We've been talking to Fred Hassan and uh, the owner of Finn the Black Lab, Finn the Bat Dog there at Las Vegas Baseball Games. And, Fred, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining Bark today. All right, I'm, I'm going to hold you to getting a hold of me when you come out here now. So I, it's Finn. I've got your number. You got it. S- start training him with those beers then. <laughs> you got it. Okay, Thanks Fred. Thanks a lot, Jim. I really, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. 
My favorite part of that interview was, well, I, I, I love the part where he's bringing the water to the umpire too. And so Fred's got a, a lot of different things that he's doing with, with Finn the Bat Dog there. But I, I love that he thinks that he's the LeBron James of labs. <laughs> So that's that's one of those things where, I mean, that's how much he thinks of his dog. And he probably is a LeBron James of labs for what Finn the Bat Dog can do at those Las Vegas Aviators games. And I'm hoping that Fred, I got to get down there to Las Vegas because we talked about it during the interview. I believe it when Fred says that he can train Finn to bring a beer to me there at one of the games. And I want to see it happen for myself <laughs> in person. Now, another thing I want to do is I want to get over to Boise State and you watch a Boise State game at all? Everybody knows uh, I I can't because of that field. No, well that's what I was going to say. Everybody knows Boise State for the blue field. Mm-hmm. You don't like the blue field? No, it it messes with my eyes. Does it? It's it? uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's unique though, which I like that. Yeah, that's cool, and I'm into unique, but it feels like something's wrong with my TV. You yeah, know? like the colors off <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I think they're up to something, too. Sometimes when they wear their blue uniforms, like they're trying to blend yes. in with the turf. Yes. I'm not so sure if that's fair or not. But Boise State's always had a good football program. But we're not going to talk football. Not here on Bark. We're talking about dogs. And that's why we're talking to Britta Clausen, who owns Cole. And Cole is a black lab that picks up the kicking tee. And then I think if you stay tuned to the rest of it, I think you'll enjoy at the end because Cole also made a free throw. That's right. A black lab made a free throw at a Boise State basketball game. So here's Britta. Hi, Britta. It's Jim from Bark. How are you? Hi. So good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. Excited to talk to me? Yes. Okay. Well, good. I'm We're... talking about my dog. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Jim has been obsessed with your dog for a long yeah. time. Well, I have been, and I've looked at the videos, and we're in our second season of of doing Bark, and I thought, boy, I want to do this. I want to do this episode on dogs with cool jobs, and I saw this dog over at Boise State, and and I'm always, I went to Washington State. I'm familiar with with Boise State and your blue blue turf over there and everything, and then come to find out that there's this dog that goes out and gets the kicking tee, and and being such a huge dog guy anyway, and I, and I love football. And I just thought the the two went together really well. And so, Britta, I'm curious how this all came about with your dog named Cole. I guess it all started when we got the gig for uh, with the Boise Hawks baseball team. So that's how Boise State saw us, because they saw how uh, amazing he was out there on, on the baseball field. Well, and we talked to someone else, too, Fred Hassan down in Las Vegas, and his dog, Finn the Bat Dog, uh, he retrieves bats at the Las Vegas uh triple a baseball teams games and so this so this started out at boise and then so what did a sports information person or someone from the boise state athletic department just come up to you and say hey britta clausen what about what about your dog do you think uh he could get teased too yeah pretty much i mean yeah i mean we actually did a tryout for the boise hawks about two years i think yeah about two years before we got the gig at boise state and it was funny because there was other dog trainers out there and Bob Flannery, the general manager at Boise Hawks, when it was our go to go up, they said, you know, the other dog trainers are saying it's going to take four to six weeks to train their dogs to retrieve the bats, you know, and we hadn't actually tried out yet. And we said, well, Cole can do it right now. And so we, he can run the bases, he can retrieve, he can catch a fly ball, he can do all kinds of stuff. And they said, no, no, he can't. And we said, heck yeah. And so we did it. And I mean, right then there, we got the contract. And then... Yeah, someone from Boise State came into our facility and said, you know, Cole, can he, you know, we see him retrieving the bats, can he retrieve a tee? And we're like, oh, yeah, he definitely can. And so we did a little tryout there, and yeah. They were like, this is awesome. So we got a contract with them as well. All right, so every kickoff there at Boise State, he'll he'll wait until the action stopped and then just dart out there and get it and then bring it back to you? Is that how it works? Yep. Yeah, so when they get a touchdown, uh, this big cannon goes off. And so that's our cue. So he's conditioned. He knows when that cannon goes off. Oh, he gets so amped up. He loves it. Is there he any, loves it. Hey, Britta, is there any chance, like, if, especially when there's a game on ESPN, maybe a, a Friday night game there from Boise, that that you could let Cole go out there when, when the players are on the field and actually playing? Uh, don't you think that'd be kind of fun, too? When they're playing to have him go on the field? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ever think about that? Right. <laughs> I don't know how good of an idea that'd be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all it's all very controlled. You know, we only have, I think, like ten seconds to retrieve the tee. So, 
It's fun. See, I'm I'm the opposite of you because my my dogs that I've had, I've had three golden retrievers, and one of them was so untrained that during a little league baseball game, he saw this kid trying to steal second, and he ran out there and jumped on the back of him and started you know doing that dog hunching thing on him. Oh no! And then the mom ran out onto the field. The kid was crying. And I'm I'm yelling, Willie, 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 stop, Willie, Willie. And um, the at least the mom was really understanding. The kid was crying, and I, I felt really bad about it. But uh, yeah, you know what? That might not be a good idea. You might not want to do that. <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. be that wouldn't be too good. Yeah, yeah I mean, and and before while we're waiting, you know, our turn to go. He's out there. Um, you know, talking with the cheerleaders and all the people that are on the sidelines, and people love it. I mean, that's probably like, you know, we were talking earlier about what's the number one question I get when we're out there, and it's probably, can I take a picture with Cole? Oh, I bet. <laughs> that's probably number one thing. So that's that's what we're doing, you know, in the middle of that. So. so Cole's been in a bunch of selfies then. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. Hey, Britta, can you tell us the backstory on Cole? Because it sounds like it's really interesting, it, uh, what I read anyway, that you, you adopted him at the age of four, and he wasn't in the best of shape when you got him. Yeah, he's, yeah, my dad got him as a rehome from, yeah, just a, a less than nice owner, and uh, he, you know, he didn't really like the way he's being trained, and so he have to buy him, and just to get him out of the situation, you know, so it was good, and when we got him, he didn't have a lot of trust in us. My dad had him the first few months, and he was doing a lot of reward-based training and stuff like that. And I think it was just the background of of his e-collar training and and the use of a shock collar made him, you know, really robotic. And so my dad still tried to, you know, use love and affection and rewards and that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know if it's the background of having, you know, a previous male owner or whatnot, but at the time I lived in California and I came home to visit, and I just pulled Cole out and I was playing with him and. And my dad just saw the, the difference in him, having like a, just being with a girl. And he said, Britta, you got to take this dog. He's just, he's doing really well with you. And so when I took him home, the first few months, you know, it was just, I just let him do regular dog stuff. We went on hikes, you know, slept on the couch, all kinds of stuff. And he just, I think that's really what made him blossom into what he is today, you know. Oh, that's great. How'd Cole get his name? <laughs> his actually, his AK, AKC uh, registered name is Rev It Up Cole Expect Great Things. And so it just really fit, so we just kept his name Cole. Oh, that's great. And, and you have, it sounds like you've got other dogs at home, too. I do. I do, actually. I have, a, uh, I have a German Shepherd named Otto. He's a pretty cool dog. He's eight years old. And then I have a Lab Pitbull Sharpay, my, my little mutt, I call her. Her name's Sarah. Sarah Michelle is her full name. <laughs> and she's about 11. Um, yeah, and then I have a Red Merle Aussie named Skye as well. So you're busy there at home, and it sounds like it runs in the family because your dad started uh, Positive Pets, a dog training company there in Boise 28 years ago. So you, you've been around um, dogs your whole life then. Yeah, I uh, technically I'm a fourth-generation dog trainer, <laughs> which is pretty cool. You know, I was raised, raised in this, so it really came natural to me. What makes a good dog trainer? I get that question a lot, and I think probably the number one thing is that, you know, with, with training dogs is, for one, I feel like we need them just as much as, you know, they need us. And as far as training goes, it's, you know, every, this is one of the very first things that, that we learn early on in our dog training career is that every single dog is different and learns differently. They all have different, you know, motivational desires and different reward values, and they each each one of them responds different to different training, you know, approaches. Hey, my my uh, friend over in Spokane, uh, she has, I think it's a border collie that that she rescued, and she sent out a video on social media not too long ago of her of her dog catching a frisbee, and I and every time I've got a two year old golden retriever, every time I take River, his name's River, named him after a football player over there at Washington State, River Craycraft, and who oh, nice. who's playing with Denver now in the NFL. But anyway, um, I, I throw the Frisbee to River, and he just kind of looks at it, and he just lets it hit his chest, and then, then he'll pick it up. But I can't get him to catch it out of the air, and I really want to try and get my dog to catch a Frisbee. Do you have any advice for me? Heck yeah. So, well, first, when you're first teaching this, you want to make it easy for him to do the right thing and hard for him to do the wrong thing. So I would start by first, like, rolling the Frisbee upright on the ground and getting him to chase it back and forth and teaching him to pick it up from the ground like that when it's rolling. 
and then start by um, having them chase it and grab it out of your hand, and then start by doing like shorter tosses and then longer throws. And I mean, it takes time and repetition, but you can teach them, you know, to be motivated to chase the frisbee. Okay. I mentioned uh, Fred down in Las Vegas, the owner of uh, Finn the Bat Dog, and his dog's a black lab too, and Cole is a black lab, right? That's correct. Cole's yeah. an American Field Trial Labrador. Okay, so is there something about black labs that uh, are more conducive to... <laughs> I don't know if it's just like... <laughs> is it something about them retrieving? Is that what you mean? Yeah, because you got the bats, and, and, and your dog has done the bats thing, too, and doing the kicking tee there at Boise State. Yeah. So. I mean, you look back on, on genetics. You know, what is a field Labrador bred to do? They're bred to hunt and to retrieve. Right, so we we play a lot off the dog's genetics. He has the desire to retrieve, so then it's really just tuning it up with you know what to retrieve, how to do it, you know how to come back, bring it to you, that kind of stuff. So it's you know that's the reason that labs are so good at this is genetics. Genetics plays a huge role in it. You know, like there's certain things that I do with my shepherd that I don't do with my labs. You know, mm-hmm. like bite work and playing tug and. You know, that kind of stuff, you know, because that's what a shepherd likes to do. Do you like dogs more than people? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. Because I do. I just say I, li- I like my dogs a lot, you know. And <laughs> I guess it says a lot because this is what I do for a career, you know. So, <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. That's a hard question. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm with you yeah. on that one. Yeah. They're, you know, they're pretty fantastic. They, there's, there's something very special about them, you know. So how many people are at Boise State games? Like 50,000, 40 or 50,000? I think it's something like that. Yeah, I mean it's a huge it's a huge adrenaline rush being out there. How does he deal with the distraction of the crowds? He loves it, honestly. People, he loves Cole loves people. He loves the attention. You know, so a lot of it just comes down to as far as distractions, it's just training. Now the coolest thing, Britta, okay, so you mentioned the bats and and you've talked about the kicking tee, but I saw that video of Cole making a free throw at a Boise State basketball game. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> how, now, how did that happen? Okay, so we have part of our contract with Boise State is we perform halftime shows at their, at their basketball games. And so for the first year, we thought, okay, we got to do something big. What's something big? And I was thinking, okay, what about something like Air Bud, you know, where he makes a, makes a jump shot? And we practiced, we probably did over 300 repetitions before he actually made the first shot. And this is just in practice. And then I, it was probably another 400 repetitions. I mean, this is over months of practicing. And then, so he only made it probably three or four times in over 700 repetitions in practice. And uh, during the game, I mean, I got to tell you, I was so nervous. It was like... I mean, just the feeling of being out there, it was like an angel took over my body because I have to throw it just right for him to hit it and pop it up in the air just right to make it in the basket. And it, so everything, I mean, everything just turned out perfect that day. It was it was pretty amazing. <laughs> what, well, so I saw the video and he made it on, was it really the second attempt that he made it on? It was the second, second attempt, that's correct, yeah. And so, like I said, it was like an angel took over my body that was like, just had me throw it just right. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I, I don't know, I wasn't really expecting to make it because he'd only made it, a, you know, a handful of times in practice. So, yeah, I, I can't tell you how that happened. It was just, everything came together perfectly that day. So, so Britta, how much fun are you having being you? <laughs> oh, my gosh, I have the best job in the world. I get to work with dogs every day. Oh, it sounds like My dad always calls and goes, what are you doing today? And I go, I get to go train dogs today. That's what I get to do. <laughs> it's, it's, I just have the coolest job in the world, man. I mean, being out there at the Boise Hawks and the Boise State games, it's like, it's like being the lead singer in a huge band at a stadium concert. <laughs> like I said, I mean, the adrenaline rush is just, it's insane. Oh, I bet. It's so much fun. And how- There's nothing like it. You per- have to come to a game sometime. I'm gonna do. I, I'm. I'm gonna do it, Britta, because I, I, I definitely want to meet you and I want to meet Cole. And and how proud are you of Cole when he has a flawless performance during a football game? This dog blows my mind every day. I mean, everything he does, he puts 110 percent effort into it, and I think that's one of my favorite things about him. Is no matter what you're having, you're training him to do, or what he's learning, he just takes it all the way. You know, every single time. 
Well, Britta, this has been fun for me, and and I I really appreciate your time, and I I just I'm a dog lover like you, and uh, I, I I can't wait to get over there and 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 check it out and and meet you and and see Cole, and uh, thanks for your time, and appreciate you joining Bark today. Heck yeah, this has been awesome. Our thanks to Britta Clausen uh, for. A, being here on Bark with us today, and I she's just, awesome. Yeah, I, she has all kinds of energy. How cool! And, and how, how much fun she has training dogs, and you, you find out too about being a fourth generation or whatever it is that she is, a dog trainer, positive pets there in Boise. So she gets to work with dogs all the time. So you, you definitely can hear the happiness from Britta Clausen, and so we're happy for her. So our thanks today to Britta, and. To Sergio and to Fred Hassan down there in Las Vegas, dogs with cool jobs. On the next episode of Bark, a little sadder story than this one. And I got an update today about Logan, the German Shepherd puppy up in Ferndale, Washington. It's just, it's really close to the Canadian border. And we'll tell you about Logan in the next episode. It's episode six here on season two. Logan, the puppy... And the bucket list that her own, that his owner had for Logan. And uh, it's a pretty cool story, but it's a little bit of a sad ending. We'll get into that next time here on Bark. 